Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey, Connect. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris, get to serve on the team here, and thrilled you decided to join us today for the fifth week of Rooted. We're we're going through this series because we want to experience growth, life change, and what we're discovering is that that growth, that transformation we desire, it comes through deeper connection with God, the church, and our purpose. Uh, Our growth potential is directly related to the depth of our roots. Rooted is simply our invitation to put down deeper roots. And today we're going to talk about something that we don't talk about very often. It's something that's very real, yet unseen. Something that is scary, yet we don't need to fear. It's something that is opposed to us, yet we have victory over. You see, today we're talking about the fact that we have a spiritual enemy But in Jesus, we have spiritual victory. Now, when it comes to thinking about the spiritual realm, uh, we tend to make one of two mistakes, and C.S. Lewis points this out to us. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Okay, most of us here probably aren't on this side of the fence where we're just obsessed with the devil and demons. We're not playing with Ouija boards. Uh, We're not practicing witchcraft in our free time. We're, We're not Satanists. And yet, a lot of us probably would fall into this camp. We don't really think about spiritual things much, or much at all. Science is our go-to. I have to see it to believe it. That's our mantra. Some of us will even pride ourselves on our logic and reason. But as C.S. Lewis says, whether it's the magician or the materialist, the pendulum has swung too far, and we need a more grounded perspective on the spiritual reality that makes up our lives in our world. And to do that, to have a grounded view of the spiritual realm, what we're going to do is we're going to look at scripture and see what God's word has to say about this and why it even matters in our lives. So if you got a Bible, please turn with me to Ephesians 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 20 here in a moment. And we're going to see the spiritual battle that we are up against and the victory that we have, a victory that can be personally experienced in each one of our lives. Now, on this spectrum of of magician to materialist, I would be on this side of things. I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about angels and demons and the the war that's being waged. I just, I don't. In fact, for the longest time in my life, the only battle I was really aware of in regards to these matters was in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Christians debated whether or not it was okay for a Christian kid to read Harry Potter. I did. So call me a rebel. I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a very entertaining book. 
but it didn't like spur this weird fascination with witchcraft for me. I, I knew that there was a spiritual realm that was very real. I had read about it in scripture, but I hadn't really thought much about it. I hadn't really even experienced it a whole lot personally until we planted Connect Church. And now I've experienced this reality firsthand, and I'll share about that more in a moment. But first, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask God to reveal something to us that most of us probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. Lord, would you come and speak now? Would you speak to us through your word? Would you speak to us through this message? And wherever we tend to fall on this spectrum of uh, the spiritual battle that's raging around us, would you give us your perspective? Not just a high-level perspective, but even in our own personal lives, how do you see us? What does victory look like for us? And we ask that even this morning, we would experience greater victory in Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. So here's what Paul wrote in a letter to a church that he planted in Ephesus about our spiritual enemy and how we should fight in this spiritual battle. Picking up in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are few things in my life that have been harder than church planting. Other things have been equally as hard, but, you know, there aren't many things that have been like this for me. And it's because any time we've taken ground for the kingdom, whether it was launching our first community groups four years ago, right here in this space, or if it was launching services a year later, again, right here in this space, or maybe it's been other things. It could be a, a particular message or a service that we have. It could be baptisms. Anytime ground is being taken for the kingdom, we have had this like series of unfortunate events that surrounds it. Just odd things, things that are like out of the blue, but it's like a cluster of them. Uh, we've had all kinds of different things, financial hardship, technical problems, like right before the service, even though we did the whole run through, everything worked fine, and then it's like, oh no. Uh, pipes bursting, so we had to cancel a vision service like minutes before it was supposed to start. Uh, we've had families wiped out with sickness, conflict at home the night before, the morning of, a multitude of things. Now, any one of these things, it's just like, bummer. Like, that stinks. We live in a broken world. Bummer. But I remember uh, talking with Tyler about this early on in the, you know, the early days of Connect, because it just started to feel like any time there was a, a spiritual moment or significant you know, step forward that we were taking as a church, there would just be a cluster of these unfortunate events seemingly out of the blue. And as this pattern continued, not just around a moment, but like again and again, any time there was a spiritual moment or significant event or anything like that, I just started to wonder, I'm like, are we facing spiritual warfare? So I asked my mentor, Craig Smith, about it. He's the lead pastor at Mission Hills Church. And he helped me see that, yes, when there's a series of unfortunate events, 
around a significant spiritual moment. Maybe it could be that we're facing opposition that's not visible. It's spiritual. Or, as Paul wrote, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our fight is not with the person in front of us. It's not with the organization over us. It's not even with the world around us. Our fight is a spiritual fight. It's a battle. And we have an enemy who is a spiritual enemy. And Jesus described him as one who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. Our our spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep us from surrendering our lives to Jesus, experiencing a relationship with God, and joining in God's kingdom work. He want, the enemy wants us to have nothing to do with any of that. So he'll do whatever he can to oppose those things. And I've seen this time and again as a pastor. Uh, often, when someone is about to get baptized, maybe they're planning to get baptized that day, I can't tell you the number of texts I've got, emails I've got, last-minute phone calls that have been from someone who can't make it. They were planning to be there. They had friends and family coming. They were pumped, but they woke up with a wave of doubt. Or sickness has just crippled them, and they can't be apart. Or, Or one thing or another is preventing them from publicly declaring their faith in Jesus. Now, some of you know what that feels like because You've you've had that day when you were caught in the crosshairs of the enemy. It was the day you surrendered your life to Jesus, and man, there was like a a wrestling match happening around you just to get to that moment. You know what that feels like. I've seen this time and again as a pastor. I've also seen this as a parent. Just this past spring, our oldest daughter, Hannah, it just felt like there was a battle, a spiritual battle going on for her heart. And Amanda and I talked about it, and we were just praying, 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 kept praying, wouldn't stop praying just for her, that she would know Jesus and the victory he brings. And then on June 1st, our suspicions of a spiritual battle were proved true. I was putting Hannah and Chloe down just like I would normally do, and as I put Hannah in bed, I turned to help Chloe get in bed, and Hannah seemingly out of the blue, says, Daddy, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. It's like, turn from Chloe, fully dialed in, right here. Really? Tell me more? Like, why? And she shared, and we talked about the gospel and how Jesus has forgiven her sins, and that if she'll receive his forgiveness, she can have a relationship with God, and she can follow him with her life. And I was like, "Do do you want to accept Jesus? And she said, yes. And I said, great, let me go get Mommy. So I I go downstairs. Amanda had finished putting Abigail down. She comes up, and right there in Hannah's bed, I just led her in a very simple prayer where she confessed her sin to God, asked Jesus to forgive her, and said she wanted to follow him with her life. Now, there have still been, and there will continue to be, skirmishes in Hannah's life. But on June 1st, she experienced victory in Jesus. She is forever his. Now, because this this war has happened, and it it actually was won long ago, it's why someone like Hannah can accept Jesus. Now, Jesus won the war 
when he died on the cross and then victoriously rose to new life, to full life, to glorious life. When Jesus rose, death was defeated. The enemies, he's still fighting a battle. He's not going down without a fight, but, but it's over. Like, victory has been won. And now, whether it's Hannah or me or you, we can experience victory in Jesus. And the crazy thing is, our victory comes not by our fight, not by our effort. It comes by our surrender, looking to Jesus to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Now, is today the day where maybe you would surrender your life to Jesus and you would experience the freedom, the victory that he has for you? Could, it, could October 1st be the day that, that's the line in the sand for you where, where you start from this moment forward, you're going to follow Jesus with your life. You're going to experience the, the freedom and the full life he offers you. It could be today. We even got a pool right back here. And if you want to like, go all in and follow Jesus, just like Jesus said, and you want to get baptized and you want to just publicly declare it, we can help you do that. We got changes of clothes. Every week we bring changes of clothes just in case. Because we believe when we gather as a church, his spirit is with us and his spirit is working. And maybe today his spirit is working in you. We have a spiritual enemy, but in Jesus we have spiritual victory. Let's, let's double click on this statement so we can better understand both our spiritual enemy and our spiritual victory. Ephesians 6.11 charges us, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Who's the devil and what are his schemes? Well, we often view the devil as the equal and opposite negative force to God, but that's not exactly true. Satan is opposed to God, but Satan is not equal with God. The devil, Satan, we're talking about the same person here. You see, Satan's not equal with God. God actually created Satan. Scripture tells us that he was an angel who wanted to be like God, and God wasn't having it. Satan's cast from heaven, and he brings a third of the angels with him, who we would now call demons. But here's the thing. Because Satan's created means he's not the creator. God alone is God. He, God alone is all-present. God alone is all-knowing. God alone is all-powerful. Satan is not. So we should not give him undue credit. He was created, he was fallen, and he's fighting battles in a war that he's lost. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself now. First, we should understand, what are the devil's schemes? Jesus taught the following in John 8. He said, referring to the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil's the deceiver. Not only did the devil want to be like God, he, uh, back in the garden, deceived Eve. Uh, we'll just read it real quick. This is from Genesis 3. The, the devil questioned God's goodness. He often does this when he's trying to deceive us. He questioned God's goodness with Eve. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then he, he deceived her to eat the forbidden fruit, telling her that if she did, you will be like God. The devil is 
the deceiver. He questions God's goodness. He twists God's words and appeals to the human desire, our desire to be like God. Today, we're tempted to believe lies too. Does God really say that we should pray about it? I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do, right? Like, it doesn't really matter if I pray. Does God really care if I go to church on Sunday? Listening to a sermon podcast on my way to the mountains sounds pretty good. Does God really say that we should give him the first 10% of what he's given us? You know, I earned it. I'm going to do what I want with my money. In fact, if I had a little bit more money, then I'd have enough, and then I would be generous. When God's goodness is in question, we're quick to take the reins of our life and go our way instead of God's way. The devil is the deceiver, so Jesus called a spade a spade. Um, After all, Jesus actually experienced the devil trying to deceive him too. Right after a very spiritual, significant moment in Jesus' life, when he got baptized, kind of kicked off his earthly ministry, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, prayed and fasted, And while he was there, Scripture tells us that our enemy, the devil, he tried to tempt Jesus. And unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus didn't fall prey to the devil's deception. You see, Jesus refuted the devil's words with God's word, quoting it right back at him. He said, I'm not going down that path. He had, a, he had a higher perspective. He understood what was really going on there. And because Jesus didn't sin, and because Jesus remained faithful to God, even in the face of temptation, because of Jesus, now we don't have to fall prey to temptation either. We can experience victory in Jesus. We can receive God's mercy and grace in our time of need. In fact, Hebrews 4 15 and 16 encourages us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus gets us. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He understands what that's like. Jesus gets us, and Jesus has got us. He's got us covered. His death on the cross covered the the payment, the penalty for our sin. Jesus gets us. Jesus has got us. But do you have Jesus? Like any gift, we've got to receive the gift of God's grace that's expressed to us in Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross and he victoriously rose from the grave, the war was won. But the way we, you and I, experience victory is actually through our surrender. The devil was defeated. He's not going down without a fight. We still feel the temptation, the deception. We, are, we experience that. But we don't have to fall prey to it because we know that Jesus is Lord. He's the one we follow. We're not going to go our way. We're going God's way. And following him, it's not a, a one-and-done experience. It's not like, hey, there was that one day like back when I was seven and I accepted Jesus, and ever since I've just kind of done my own thing. It's been great. That's not what we see in Scripture. What we see in Scripture is that we're, we're invited into a daily surrender where we regularly 
acknowledge that Jesus is Savior and Lord and we live our life differently. We try to follow Jesus instead of go our own way. Uh, Listen to what Paul wrote to another one of his church plans. This is to the church in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I'll say it again. We have a spiritual enemy, but in Jesus we have spiritual victory. Make no doubt about it. The war is won. It's won. Jesus is victorious. It's just a matter of time before the fullness of his kingdom, his rule, his reign, it's just a matter of time before it is realized in its perfect expression in our world. But at the same time, between now and then, there are spiritual battles going on around us. And as we engage in these, we should be aware of a couple of things. Uh, Jesus started ushering in God's kingdom, but as we join him in that work of seeing his kingdom come to earth, oh, it's going to be tough. We're going to face opposition. Uh, Jesus, when he talked about the church, here's what he had to say. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. When we step forward, Every step we take is a gospel step, bringing hope, bringing good news, bringing life to those who need it. And, you know, we've got the shield of faith. We are ready. We're prepared for any attack, any lie, any deception the enemy throws at us. We're ready to extinguish that because of the faith we have in Jesus. No longer are we going to believe that lie, did God really say? Oh, we know God's good. That's never in question for us. We know he's good. We've experienced his goodness. His word documents his goodness. And we have the helmet of salvation. We're saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. That's a done deal. We have nothing to fear. But remember, we're not just on the defensive. We're we're on the offense. We're the church. And what's our weapon? Our weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And just like Jesus in the wilderness, we refute the devil. We attack back with what? With scripture. And if we're going to do that, we've got to be familiar with God's word. We've got to know it. And, and it's got to, we can't just read it to get through scripture. It's got to get through us. So we memorize it. We meditate on it. When we have a spare moment, we want to read it. We hunger for it. Because this is how we fight our spiritual battles. We are clothed with the armor of God. And as Paul shares next, we also engage through prayer. Listen to this, verses 18 through 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
As Paul charged the Ephesians to pray, I'm going to charge us to pray. Pray persistently. In verse 18, it said, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We are a people who pray persistently. And also, let's pray for one another. Did you notice that there's no back armor? in the armor of God. There's nothing protecting the back. we got the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, helmet of salvation. We're decked out. we got nothing on our backside. I think that's because the, the image that we see in the church is that, that people are standing back to back. You've got your back, and, and I've got someone else's back, and together we've got each other's back. We're fighting this battle together. And the way we do that is by praying for one another. When was the last time you spent time praying for someone else, another believer, another person who's trying to follow Jesus too? That should be a regular rhythm for us. And in that, I'm going to selfishly ask, like Paul asked the Ephesians, would you please pray for me? And, And just like Paul asked, would you pray that whenever I speak, the words would be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel and that I'll declare it fearlessly as I should. Would you pray for me? And in advance, thank you. Thank you for praying for me. Here's what we've done. We've just scratched the surface of something that's very real, yet unseen. Something that is scary, yet we don't need to fear. Something that opposes us, but something we have victory over in Christ. And here's what we now know. We know that the devil is the deceiver. He's going to question God's goodness in our lives. But we aren't going to fall prey any longer to the devil's deceptive schemes. Because the one who is in us, Jesus, he's greater than the one who's in the world. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us, talking about God, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have a spiritual enemy, but in Jesus we have spiritual victory. So, Jesus, we thank you for that that very thing right now. Thank you so much that in you we have victory. We have nothing to fear. While, While we are tempted, we can stand strong because we've got your word. So would you bring your word to mind when we are tempted? Would you replace the lies the enemy has put in our minds with the truth that we see in Scripture? And God, would we know you more? We want to know you more. Would our lives be evidence of this gospel? The fact that you mercifully forgive our sins, and in you we have victory. God, would you bring victory in our lives personally, in our families? Would you bring victory as we pray with one another in groups this week for freedom from things that have been holding us back for far too long? And would we see your kingdom come and your will be done here in South Denver in the front range as it is in heaven. We ask this in your name and for your glory.